Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, we're yes. doing something different on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mm-hmm. And I'm very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm debating if I uh, if I regret my choices in life yet long time listeners of the show and by long time i mean the people who listen to the end of the most recent episode uh (laughs) might remember that uh mo came up with an idea a very special idea i think it was mostly to get out of having to watch and take notes for a movie uh but a little bit an idea where the listeners you the audience could send in things uh, it was kind of ill-defined, but send in a question, send in statements, send in whatever you'd like into our program, and we're going to make an entire episode of just us responding and answering and that sort of thing. Is that correct, Mo? That is correct. And then we, after we released our most recent episode, we went on to our uh, Facebook group, and we put out a call for people to <laughs> respond to us, and then we waited two weeks, and nobody responded. <laughs> Not one That's fucking true. person. And then Not I had to go back and be thing. like, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you need to do something here. Otherwise, we're just going to have a uh, fucking 90 minutes of just Mo and myself yammering on, which is basically what a regular episode is anyway, but a less structured yeah. version of yammering. And then we'll be in a lot of trouble. So thankfully, Mo, uh, a few of our beloved fans, they rose to the occasion and they contributed. So now... This nightmare scenario is somewhat abated by having some content to talk about. Hot dog. Mo, why are we doing an episode devoted to the listeners of No Budget Nightmares? I thought it'd be fun. Well, it would have been fun probably two years ago. (laughs) When when our devoted listeners were used to getting content on a uh, bi-weekly basis. Uh, as opposed to whenever possible. <laughs> whenever the fuck we feel like it, yeah. Mo, this is a podcast uh, devoted to micro-budget and ultra-low-budget cinema. Sure is. This is Because this might be a good starting point. Actually, it's probably the worst possible starting point for a potential listener. If you are a first-time listener of No Budget Nightmares, welcome. Welcome on. Bienvenue. Uh, uh, <laughs> we are an international show, and that will be proven by some of our... Uh, responses today our, our listener submissions so i want to make sure yeah that i mean i guess i guess you know having listeners in two countries two countries is... <laughs> i like how one of those countries is not canada 
<laughs> we are a very unpopular podcast in Canada. United States, yeah. not so bad. Germany, I think we're probably the number one most popular podcast in Germany. <laughs> we need to do a German tour. Germans love David Hasselhoff and No Budget Nightmares. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well, Mo, <laughs> yes. it might seem like I'm kind of spinning my wheels here, but you know, if we release an episode that's 20 minutes long, I don't think anyone's going to listen to it. Are you kidding me? If we released an episode that's 20 minutes long, it's going to be our most yes. listened to episode that's ever. People are going to be like, finally, these fucking windbags <laughs> put out a short episode. <laughs> Since I'm, I'm fairly certain the shortest episode we've ever put out was the original Hip Hop Locos episode, <laughs> a.k.a. episode one, which was 45 minutes long. Back back when we decided to have a structure that wasn't entirely superfluous and didn't require everyone listening to have seen the movie that we were talking about, uh, right? that we're going to talk about in just ridiculous detail to the point where even the directors of the movies being covered tell us to give it a rest. But <laughs> 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 what are we going to do? We're like 120-something. Is that what we are? We're, we're a lot of episodes into this uh, project. We're several we're several episodes in. And <laughs> we should revamp the like... format now. That is, it would just kill whatever interest is left in our you know, handful of devoted listeners. Yeah, we should we should definitely change this to like a music podcast so that now we're only talking about like music. Yeah, what music are you listening to, Mo? Uh, I haven't been. Oh well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's so so I I do a job where I drive for ten hours a day. Mm-hmm. So so for the first couple of weeks, I'm like, yes, I can listen to my music all day, and it's great. And I love it. And then like three weeks in, I was like, I don't ever want to hear any of these fucking songs again. <laughs> and so and so I started like, you know, popping YouTube on my phone or or listening to podcasts. So like, I mean, you know, I mean, even to the point where I listened to. A f- like for a full day, did nothing but listen to old the no budget nightmares episodes, <laughs> you know. Uh, Mo for the first time ever was able to give feedback on how to improve the show. Unfortunately, four years out of date. <laughs> way yeah, way past way past the point of no return. You know, I mean to the point that like there there, there is I don't want to give like I don't want to give shout outs to other podcasts because I only want people listening to this one or not but, even this one. <laughs> Or, or maybe not even this one. I don't know. But there's a podcast that I've been that I've been listening to so hardcore as of recent that I've gone through five years worth of episodes just in the last couple of months. And, you know, and I like now I'm at, now I don't know what to do because, you know, I'm waiting for the next season of it to start because it's one of those weird shows that goes in seasons. Mm. And so I'm waiting for the next fucking season. <laughs> Yeah, I wish we had too. you know, waiting for the next season of it to start. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to listen to now. You know, well, well, you got to say the name of the fucking show. I mean, oh, it's my dad wrote a porno. Oh, that's good. It's a good show. I've never listened to it. I've heard good things. It's really good. I think you'd enjoy it. I've got so much stuff that I would enjoy that I just I'm not dipping into at all. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I would never have even touched it if I wasn't in a fucking van for 10 hours a day. Believe me. Mo, speaking of in a van for 10 hours a day, (laughs) maybe we should start with some of our listener feedback. Now, one of the things that we should note right up front is that neither Mo nor myself have actually gone over the content 
that we're about to address. Uh, we thought it nope, would be more fun. None. Yeah, it would be more fun if we were responding in real time. That's also the lazier option. So that's the one we're going to take. Uh, so nope. you're going to hear our responses. And they're going to be unfiltered and uncensored until it gets really boring. And then I'll just cut that part out. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, Mo, we don't know what's coming. <laughs> it could be someone telling us we suck. Are you are you concerned, Mo, that people are going to tell us we suck? I long for it. Tell us we suck. Tell us to end the podcast. Give Please. me a fucking excuse to end the show. <laughs> uh, There's so many other things I could be doing. Now, Mo, no, not. our first submission is an audio message from friend of the show, Lars Bestin. Sorry. Wow. Lars Bestin, <laughs> our uh, funny friend from Germany. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the show may recognize Lars as the person who uh, hooked us up with Operation Dance Sensation. Remember that classic episode of No Budget Nightmares, Mo? It's a fun movie. It's a German movie that we probably would not have encountered otherwise, so very happy mm-hmm. about that. Uh, we actually uh, have a, another German surprise before the end of this show, but let's hear what Lars... Oh, please don't say German surprise. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a German scheiße surprise for you, <laughs> Let's listen to what... He's, okay, no, please. Uh, also, should uh, should add that he's also the, the one who designed our current... Uh, facebook group uh, cover photo yeah lars is great uh i think we've called yeah. him something else in the past but this is i'm pretty sure his actual name is lars i think everyone in germany is named lars now that i think about it <laughs> uh but lars had this to say to us <laughs> is this me <laughs> hi guys sorry for sending this in so late but I wanted to wait until I get sick to really get in the mood for writing to you both. <laughs> Here is Lars. And no, it's not Lars Ulrich. It's really easy to distinguish us. My father was a handball amateur, not a professional tennis player. Also, I'm not a millionaire. I don't know about my quality as a drummer, though. Never tried that. I'm probably better than him. Yes. So, given the opportunity, I just wanted to say hello und Dankeschön for over 260, no, 120 (laughs) episodes of Stupid Fun. No Budget Nightmares is really one of my favorite podcasts. I guess because listening to it feels like belonging to a very obscure club. (laughs) It's the special class of movie podcasts. And I really enjoy the chemistry between you both. It's like a chihuahua jumping around a St. Bernard's. Uh, My favorite episodes are those with movies that are episodic or feel like that. I ate Slaughter Tales, Tales from the Quartet Zone. Maybe it's because your enthusiasm... (laughs) Sorry. Maybe it's because your enthusiasm resets for every segment of those titles, keeping the momentum up all the way. I'm a fan of episodic movies in general. I should worry about my attention span. And I have to admit, of course, I like to hear you suffer. I like to hear you talk about movies I would never watch for various reasons. Kansas Killer Clowns on Crack is a good example of you talking about a horrible flick and having fun with it. 
and of course my episode, The Great Operation Dance Sensation, released the day my wife and me came back from hospital with our newborn son, <laughs> when I found myself lying there at four o'clock in the morning, wide awake, listening to no-budget nightmares, <laughs> knowing I would regret not getting some sleep. At that moment... I couldn't say what made me more proud, my son or the episode. My wife later told me, though, you claimed a hundred times that you forget everything about an episode instantly <laughs> as you finish recording. But do you recall any of your shows as being particularly funny or outstanding? No. Another question I have is, you mostly cover horror, sometimes action movies. I get that those are the most entertaining to talk about. Do you have recommendations for other genres, drama, comedy, or even some arthouse stuff? What no-budget movie would you recommend to someone who is open to watch everything but not a fan of trashy horror? I will stop here and fetch me some tea. <laughs> 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 This got way too long anyway. What's left to say is, I hope you will go on for at least 100 more episodes, oh which would eventually take you 20 more years, <laughs> but with your and obviously my declining health, it is more than questionable if we all make it. Anyway, I wish you good luck and get well soon. Oh, there's one more thing. I still don't get after 120 episodes. How do you pronounce those names? Doc, do, 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 uk, do, uk, tilai. That's Douche. brilliant. Douche, tilai. Is it French, Canadian? Doc, tilai. And the other one, mu, 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 e. In, in Germany, it would be mö, mö porne, mö porne, mö ei porne. I will never get that. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, there's a lot to unpack there, Mo. Yeah. The first yeah, thing is what? the fact that uh, Lars particularly that enjoys uh, anthology or portmanteau films that we cover and he's right we haven't done one of those for quite a while there's a lot of them especially because i think as we've mentioned in previous anthology film uh reviews i guess you could call them that it, it's pretty common for low budget filmmakers to take a number of their short films and put them together in sort of an anthology format because then they can do it over a period of years but there's many 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 way too many ultra low budget anthologies out there well that and there's generally one good short and then the rest of them are really hard to get through or they're all bad that's also something or, that or yeah that also happens sometimes they're just fucking all bad uh. i mean it is so i do think that there is something to that though where you kind of reset at the end of one story before the next one begins and then your enthusiasm can go up but it does also mean that it's possible for like literally like four periods of distress and rejection and concern all in one episode as each story i mean i think back to scarlet fry's junk food horror fest and i mean that's the classic yeah and and not none of us were none of us were quite ready for uh grip tape spank or whatever the hell i like called. how how you it, 
I don't know if we get this. A lot of our uh, friends' podcasts, I mean, not all of them, but some of them, they get accused of being, like, too woke or PC sometimes, uh, which I think Mm. is a bullshit thing to say. I mean, it's just people being conscientious. But, like, even way back then, when we were both probably even more assholes than we are now, we were like... Oh, without a doubt. We were like... we were scum. We were like, this is homophobic, and it's awful, and what the fuck are we even watching? So anyway... The, the long-term message that I want to put out there is Scarlet Fry's Junk Food Horror Fest sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that has that, – if you want to I'll go back to one of the other questions, which is which episodes have kind of uh, uh, remained in my brain for being particularly good. That's not one of them necessarily, no. but that is a movie that uh, oddly I remember a lot more details of than I do some of the other movies I've enjoyed a lot more on the podcast. I mean, I can think of a couple that have that have stuck with me for being good. I mean, get, getting outside of the obvious stuff, you know, the uh, and there's my brain dying. Yeah. You, you know, but, you know, what I'm talking about like stuff like uh, Dead Next Door or like any of the Todd Sheet stuff, like the stuff that we know a lot about. and We've seen maybe more than once. And, you know, um, there's stuff like Jennifer Help Us that always kind of like comes back into my head interesting that's a very interesting choice i wouldn't have thought about that one at all yeah see i i do because i remember how much i enjoyed it you know and like that the mask the like the cow skull mask that the killer wore in that was fucking cool looking you know and it's very atmospheric um i actually think that our show is a lot better now than it was in those first couple of years um maybe we're a little less house how so doug well i just i just think that it's 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 i was gonna say a tighter show which is ridiculous for our often two hour long goddamn episodes but when i think of episodes like fairly recent ones like phobe the xenophobic experiments and um and our uh, amazing bulk episode those are some of the ones that stick in my mind is like you know what i think that we did those movies justice <laughs> as much mm. as you could say that we're doing anything justice. Um, and yeah, sure. And part of that is, you know, we, I think our note taking is maybe a little bit more, um, maybe it, it captures the feel of what we're watching a little bit more. That's the thing that I've always concerned about when we're recording no budget nightmares is the fact is not only are we talking about movies that few people have seen, but we're actively mm-hmm. usually telling people not to see them. So it is up to us to bring them to life, so to speak, in the way that we're talking about them. And also, we don't want to rely too much on just saying, well, then this happens and then this happens. But we right. do still have to do a certain amount of that. Well, I feel like um, <laughs> I, I feel like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um... biggest dick. In no, Florida. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of those. <laughs> like whoever that guy driving was. Um, no, the, the biggest curse of this show is that because, you know, we're fairly entertaining people, or at least we're told that. I never believe it, but, you know, some people believe that we're entertaining. I've been told the exact uh, opposite on numerous occasions. but like the fact that we have an entire group of people who will go out of their way to watch a movie because we told them not to and it's like no you don't seem to get it we're we're very specifically watching this movie and telling you not to bother with it because we know stop (laughs) stop watching the bad ones you know like, we'll tell you if something is so bad that it's, like, hilarious and, like, you might actually really enjoy this if you're that kind of, like, cinematic sadist, you know, or masochist, I guess is the right word. But um, 
yeah i mean it's just it's been amazing to me since day one that people will be will listen to us say like i mean because it's been since episode one hip-hop locos we told everybody this movie's a piece of shit don't even <laughs> fucking bother and then like within within like two weeks that we we already had people telling us like oh yeah watch hip-hop locos and we're like why why? So I, sh- I should. <laughs> so I remember. I'm just trying to think back to some of the questions that Lars asked in his extremely lengthy audio clip. Uh, one of the things he did mention, though, Mo, was, and I know I'm getting the name wrong. That the Kansas City clowns on crack. Uh, sure. Close enough. The funny. I just wanted to bring this up quickly. A couple of days ago, I was. Um, I have a Fire Stick, a streaming device on my television, and one. Oh, of the... I just thought you were telling me you had an STI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you can have two things, Mo. Um, yeah. So I was. Looking... We're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> I was looking through some of the horror streaming options that were available on it, and you know, there's the usual ones like Tubi and and Vimeo and whatever. Right. Uh, but there was a few that are just horror specific. And they don't tend to have a lot of movies necessarily on them, but I put one on yesterday, and one of the handful of movies it had on it was Kansas City Clowns on Crack, or whatever the fuck that movie's name was. Jesus. I couldn't believe it. I was was like, what? You're haunting me, you son of a bitch movie. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I actually watched the first couple minutes, and you you know what? I had a certain amount of affection for it, Mo, I have to admit. And that's one of the things, once you live... Like we live with some of these movies, it it really does become kind of a love hate relationship. I, you know, if one of these movies gave me a bouquet of flowers, I would definitely return to it. Um, <laughs> but Mo, I wanted to go back to one of Lars's other questions, and the only sure. other one I can remember, which is, we do focus on horror, sometimes action. We don't we don't move away from a lot of the genres in this mm-hmm. uh, on this show. But if you had to recommend a movie that's maybe outside of kind of the, the strict horror um, or – I mean action is pretty rare still. But really horror genre that we've either covered or maybe not even covered and wanted to recommend to someone who has an open mind but hasn't watched a lot of low-budget horror or low-budget movies I should say. What would you recommend? For a low-budget film that's not horror or action. Right. Well, I mean, maybe I mean, I mean, based lines, on based right? on based on movies we've watched alone, I've got a whole bunch that I don't recommend. <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly, I don't think I watch enough low budget like drama. You know, or, it's interesting because I don't think we've yeah. ever covered a straight comedy on this podcast. No, it's always it's always been a horror comedy. Exactly right, and and fa- yeah. in fact, and I'm sure there's many ultra low budget you know comedy films out there. I just have not watched many. We've watched a couple of movies that. Just- oh, I can. Act- I, you know what? I actually can think of uh, of a low budget comedy that's worth watching. It's this movie called London Betty. Okay. Um, it played here. It was made by. It was shot in Connecticut and made by some some friends of mine. But it's like an actual production. Um. It had a real actor in it. I, I, of course, my brain can't remember his fucking if name. If only right you now. had access to a mountainous <laughs> amount of information at your fingertips. Right? <laughs> well, all, I mean, the guy killed himself. I remember that much. Uh, I'm laughing already. <laughs> well, no, uh, Daniel Von, Daniel Von Barton. Oh, the, yes. Uh, he, he, tra- yeah. he tried to blow his head off and failed. That sucks. Yeah. And then he died uh, anyway. And actually, and Clint actually, Howard. Clint Howard's. Clint Howard's in it as well, but uh, what is this was, multi-million uh, dollar movie you're, you're talking about here, Mo? I don't know. It was fun though. I I, uh, I I really enjoyed it, um, and I got to do a little bit of work with the uh, with the director. Uh, oh, Thomas I Seymour. see. 
you know. No, I mean, I didn't do anything, like, in particular. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> that That's me making a <laughs> sound. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. But anyway, um, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. So I so I would suggest I would recommend that for a low budget comedy. I'm gonna skirt the uh, line a little bit here, Mo, and uh, recommend a movie that we have covered on the show. That is, I think, a horror movie. Uh, certainly tonally so. But I think if you are a fan of horror movies or a fan of uh, exploitation movies, and you're looking to get into micro budget cinema, you could. Do a lot worse than starting with uh, Combat Shock, uh, which is a very disturbing, sure. uh, very difficult movie in a lot of ways, but I think is a really huge accomplishment, which is, again, a word that we use a lot in the show. But really a movie that is able to explore dark themes because of its low budget and because it's you know just a few people on the production side of things, allowing it to kind of plumb the depths that, that a more mainstream or higher budgeted movie never would be able to. And I think, again, that's one of the advantages of micro-budget uh, cinema is that they can explore things that other people can't explore. That said, most of them just still make slasher movies. Right. <laughs> um, let's see here. I, I, I am reminded, I, although I haven't seen it, so I don't know whether or not it, it's worth it or not, but the subject matter is amazing. So, like... I would be willing to watch it, but there's a documentary um, called uh, "Will Work for Views: The Low The Lo-Fi Life of Weird Paul." Mm. And um, a buddy of mine was the editor on it, uh, and the, the the guy Weird Paul. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's a real interesting cat. So I would say I would say that'd be worth checking out. And then there's another horror, uh, not, sorry, I don't know if it's a horror comedy or if it's just comedy. Might be horror, I don't know. But this movie called Burial Boys, which is also pretty funny. There's also a really funny movie I know. It's called Graham Cracker Cream Pie that I think Mm. everyone should check out. I think it might still be on Vimeo. I'll just leave that out there for you to enjoy and give us a little bit of feedback on. Um, Did you say Graham Cracker Cream Pie? mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that I'm so uh-huh. mentally deranged that my brain isn't where it probably should be or is my brain exactly where it should be i i don't know where your your uh your uh brain oh, is oh i'm just hearing the i'm just hearing the word cream pie and thinking of awful things well whatever you think i think you should seek it out mo and you can tell us what you think about it once you watch it <laughs> oh, <fair enough. laughs> all right mo let's get into some of the letters that people have sent to us. Yes, not messages or emails. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks <laughs> and stacks of letters. Letters. Uh, that was a wow. song by my uh, countryman, Paul Schaefer, <laughs> formerly used on the David Letterman program. Mo. <clears throat> yeah. Our first message is from Mike Sullivan. Now, Mo, uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time here filleting Mike Sullivan on the program. But I should let you know. You don't? <laughs> <laughs> I do a little bit. Mike is uh, has appeared on Eric Roberts as a fucking man a few times. Uh, Mike is, I think, and I'm not blowing smoke here, the premier genre film writer in the world. I think he is the best writer and one of the best interviewers of genre film uh, uh, and, and exploitation uh, stars and directors that there is out there. 
his work has been seen in Cinema Sewer and, of course, a regular contributor to Shock Cinema Magazine. Mike is amazing. I think he's hilarious. Uh, and he was nice enough to send us uh, a letter, Mo, which maybe you should read since I'm getting tired of talking. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Let's see how good my, uh, my let's see how bad my eyes fail me here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> he writes, Doug and Mo. It's the broke of our punk, February twenty second, twenty twenty. See, I like that though. Like he, he took your two catchphrases and you know smushed them together in a in a very hard way to read. I have other I catchphrases, it. probably. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and when I'm listening to No Budget Nightmares, I'd like to think I'm family. And like family, I know that if I said something like skunky or feces spread diseases <laughs> in front of either Doug or Mo, our eyes would lock, we'd laugh heartily and melt into each other's arms, forever unified in our shared love of the taint. True. However, as much as I'd like to think I'm family, I don't think I am. I'm a, li- uh, a little while ago, I suggested a fantastic movie called Captain Cosmotic. It was roundly uh, rejected because there uh, isn't currently a print of the movie with English subtitles. Family wouldn't reject a movie just because all the dialogue was in German and they might not fully grasp what was happening. Family would would gladly accept the idea, review it on the program and mention what a great suggestion this movie was and how just and just how tall the person who suggested it is. Parentheses six foot five. I'm six foot six. Uh, it w- no big deal. <laughs> I'm five eleven. <laughs> uh, it, it would be the audio equivalent of the grandest of butterfly kisses. Instead, it was a silent fart of betrayal. I'm divorcing myself from this family. In protest, I will be starting a rival podcast called S O V S H I T. My co-host Joe Castro. See what you did there. And uh, I will be tackling Captain Cosmotic on our first episode, and we'll be laughing at you guys and your stupid family-hating quote-unquote podcast. I used to imagine you guys adopting me and taking me (laughs) on as a third co-host, where we would chat about... Leaf Yonkers. Dar- is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're getting so good at pronouncing German. I think you should just go with it. <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Leif Yonkers darkness in an old fashioned firehouse where we also lived. But now I hate you. Thanks for nothing. Oh, by the way, do you have any contact info, info for Todd Sheets? I would. <laughs> I want to interview him on the, on the, for the second episode. Still, thanks for nothing. But also, thanks in advance <laughs> if you can do that. Mike Sullivan. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get you in touch with Todd. No problem. That, I like how the only question was, <laughs> do we have Todd's <laughs> contact info? <laughs> um, uh, legitimately, Michael, if you would like to talk to Todd Sheets, I'm sure we can arrange that. Apparently, we're his publicist Easily. now. Um, but uh, Mike has been a loyal listener of the show. We really appreciate him reaching out. And, Mo, I have an additional comment because we need to cut off his SOVSHIT podcast at the knees. And the only way we can do that is by covering Captain Cosmotic. And what I like about this, Mo, is that this uh, combines our first listener response and our second that we just talked about. Because he's right. He recommended Captain Cosmotic to us. 
but we couldn't watch it because it's in German with no English subtitles. And even on a podcast this fucking ridiculous, we at least need to have something, some context to tell people about. Could you imagine trying to take notes on a film in another language that you don't understand with no fucking subtitles? Yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> Mo, I, whatever is wrong with me as I uh, rapidly near my 40th year, my imagination is still mostly intact. Um, Mine, mine's gone. Yeah, that's fine. But the, what's yeah. great about this is that Lars Bestin, our Bestin friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Lars actually sent us a copy of Captain Cosmotic with English subtitles. And my understanding, Mo, is that he actually provided those English subtitles himself, which would mean, by the way, that we would be the only people on Earth who have access to an English subtitled version of this movie. So, um, checkmate. S-O-V-S-H-I-T <laughs> podcast. Uh, we, we, uh, so this is a very early for us to announce such a thing. But on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, we're going uh, back to Deutschland. We're going to talk about Captain Cosmotic. Mo. Good night, everybody. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I, I just got so used to saying good night after we announced the next episode. Yeah. On the next episode, Captain Cosmotic from the year 1998, directed by, oh boy, Philo... Ghost Johan. Sure. Sure. Mo, uh, Mike, thanks so much for sending that in and uh, goddamn you forever. Um, <laughs> our next letter comes from uh, another longtime listener of the show. This is Tony Masiello, who uh, longtime listeners might remember as the person who has brought Metal Noir into the world. Uh, he has a, a website at sovhorror.com where he has now been distributing long lost and rare shot on video uh, films over the last couple of years. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tony as well. Really nice guy um, has had a lot of interesting things happen in his life lately. Tony writes, Hey guys, Tony Masiello from SOVHorror.com here. I just wanted to say thanks again for covering our first DVD release of metal noir, even though Mo didn't like it. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's true. <laughs> it was cool hearing your thoughts as well as your impression of Laurel. Um, I can't remember. Was Laurel the fucking dude, like the stoner dude or like the surfer? I don't, I don't remember anything <laughs> about that movie. <laughs> Since then, we've released a, a bunch of other cool lost SOVs like the Spirit Gallery, Purveyors of Blood, and a movie I made with SOV legend Tim Ritter called Zombarella's House of Horrors. That's spelled W-H-O-R-R-O-R-S. Uh, in case you didn't get the pun. <laughs> we also got a bunch of snazzy new titles coming in 2020, like Mac Hale's Mr. Ice Cream Man, which actually does look really fucking amazing. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys, and thanks for your support. If you ever want to cover any of our other releases, just let me know, and I'll be glad to send you copies. Stay snazzy and keep spreading the SOV love. Thanks, Tony Masiello. Thank you, Tony. And yeah, I, I'm all, even though you didn't like Metal Noir, I do think it was a very worthwhile thing for us to cover, even Absolutely. though the creators of it hate us and don't think we're very funny and <laughs> and think we wasted our fucking time literally spending yeah, how many hours of our life devoted to their fucking movie. Doesn't matter. I'm not mm -hmm. feeling I'm not feeling like pissy about it at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. How can you guys just spend all this time talking about a movie I made and telling people they should go out and check? Obviously, I still have some unresolved issues regarding Metal Noir. <laughs> a smidge. <laughs> but I, do, I don't have any unresolved issues regarding Tony. Tony's a great guy. Uh, you can check him out on the IMDb and, of course, go over to SOVHorror.com. Yeah, and you have to remember that even though I didn't like it, I still recommended it. Like, I still think people should watch it. I just didn't care for it. Well, I'm taking that recommendation back. <laughs> I'm taking them all back. 
See, that was a Goonies <laughs> reference. Yeah, oh yeah, I got it. I got it. This is my wish. <laughs> Let's just talk about the Goonies for a little while. Has it held up? If you weren't a kid of the 80s, can you still enjoy it? I think people want to talk about that rather than <laughs> no budget nightmares. God, I that I'm not gonna lie. I'd actually kind of like to like to to figure that one out. Like, I want to find somebody who was born in the '90s, you know, in their mid 20s now. Like, you know, uh, maybe the '80s, you know, era of filmmaking isn't necessarily their thing. Sit them down, watch, have them watch Goonies, and let us know if it's still if it's still worth uh, watching. Okay, Mo, I think they're gonna be too buried in their phones <laughs> to be able to watch Ooh. a 90 minute movie, and probably they're on TikTok and whatnot and other things I don't understand. I don't even know what TikTok is. <laughs> I do. That's not a, I mean, that's not entirely true. I know what TikTok is. I just, whatever. <laughs> I was describing I, it to someone recently. I was like, well, you remember Vine? And they're like, no, I don't know what that is either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Fawn, not too long ago, found my old Vine <laughs> and, and was showing me the video because I had forgot I even had the damn thing. And I think I put like six videos on there. And like five of them were my nephew dancing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the anecdote, Mo? Are you just going to end it right there? That's it. Our next letter is from uh, Zachary Weiss. It says, Hello, Doug and Mo. I discovered No Budget Nightmares back in 2018 and enjoyed it so much I binged through all of the episodes of this show and Eric Roberts is the fucking man at work over the course of four to five months. Why'd it take him so long? Yeah, right? Every day. Every day has 24 hours. I mean, come on. Zach, you're letting us down. (laughs) That's enough time to cover at least two episodes of our show. (laughs) My question is, do you plan on reviewing more no-budget, micro-budget animated films, such as the work of M. Strange, Don Hertzfeld, David Firth, or Jimmy Screamer Claus's (laughs) other films? I'm half joking (laughs) about that last one. Yeah, I I can answer that one real quick. Uh, No to that last one. Also, after listening to your episode on Nightmare Museum, (laughs) and I did (laughs) did some research on Igor Pickles, uh, other films, Erotic Avenger, it appears that Erotic Avenger is a live action film and Nightmare Museum not only uses audio from it for the sex scenes, but in most cases, Nightmare Museum is bundled with Erotic Avenger as a glorified bonus feature, basically, despite it being promoted as two films on the box art. Thanks for taking the time for reading this, and I wish you the best of luck. Zachary Weiss. P.S. Sorry for the grammar errors if this was a pain in the ass to type on. Oh, this was a pain in the ass to type on the phone. Well, apology accepted because we almost certainly butchered your name in some way. Um, I'm sure we butchered a lot of things. It's fine. Honestly, I'm I'm completely open to the idea of uh, reviewing more uh, no budget animated work. It's just, I mean, (laughs) once bitten, twice shy on Jimmy fucking screamer claws. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back into the Jimmy screamer claws wheelhouse, but you know, I, the problem is, is that a lot of this animated, a lot of the animated, no budget stuff is all CG and it's kind of really hard to, to sit through. Well, I mean, again, that hasn't really stopped us in the past. Um, no, no, it's never. It's yeah, it's never going to stop us. It, but that's that's sort of my big sticking point. But I'm not against it. I'm. I, I need to choose my words a little carefully here. I just want to. The thing about animated. Can, films, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I just state for the record that every time you say, <laughs> every time you say, I have to choose my words carefully here. You usually say something <laughs> so fucking horrible. <laughs> so so please regale us with your carefully chosen words. <laughs> I have to choose my words carefully. 
the Chinese <laughs> manipulated the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. No, what I, what I wanted to say is that animated films usually involve a level of craft that, A, I would feel really awkward about criticizing to any great extent outside of the content within it, uh, simply because it's so well beyond my own skill levels. Um, sure, sure. Th- some of the examples used here, by the way, Don Hertzfeld and David Firth. Don Hertzfeld is is an Oscar-nominated director, which, again, does not uh, mean that he couldn't have made micro-budget stuff. He obviously has and and did, and I actually have uh, comp- like I have all of his work, basically, available to me, and I love him. I'm a really huge fan. But, A, his feature-length work came, I believe, a little bit later and, um, and probably would not fit into the category of this show. And, B, it's... it's just doesn't feel no budget nightmarish enough. It's also something that's yeah. kind of very commonly available. David Firth is he makes a lot of really fucked up animations, but again, they tend to be a little bit shorter, so I don't think it would necessarily fit as well. I'm not as familiar with M. Strange. Again, I want to say that we are open to any genre, and one of the things that yeah. um that Lars's message made me think about is that maybe we should try to expand out a little bit from just a lot of low budget horror. Maybe you know get our our feet wet in things like comedy and drama even and my biggest issue is that look a bad comedy is fucking the worst right it is interminable to get through yes and the only thing that compares to it is a bad drama because it'll be so goddamn boring um because at least with horror movies you have to expect a certain level of action simply to make it be defined as a horror movie but that said yeah i mean mm -hmm. i mean i i've got two words for you and they're not (laughs) suck it um (laughs) You know, just 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 thinking back to fucking human behavior, you know, a, a film so utterly forgettable that I didn't know how I was going to finish this sentence because I forgot everything about it, <laughs> except that it's a shitty fucking low budget drama. Yeah. You know? that, I mean, in fact, that is the movie that I connect in our my brain with kind of a yeah. straight drama on this show. And even though I think that there was like noirish elements to it, it's just, it just yeah. didn't make for a very enjoyable episode. That said, I think no. we're both still very open. And also Zach, uh, it, you, thanks for the information about erotic Avengers. I'm just going to put this out there into the world. <laughs> if a listener sends us a copy of erotic Avengers, we will eventually cover it on the show. Though I will say, if you wanted to go over to our Patreon, you could really force us to do that sooner rather than later. Um, we'll do it. I don't want to, but Nightmare Museum is one of those movies that kind of has echoed into history because of how painful it was for Mo and myself. We don't look for yeah. those kind of experiences necessarily, Mm-mm. but I do think that uh, we can't have closure on that experience until we get the other film from Mr. Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that like like that sort of mentality, that's early 20s, Mo, where like I would go out of my way to sure. find these mm-hmm. painful movies to watch. But adding in like just watching them is one thing you add in the having to take take copious notes and then talk about it for usually a half an hour longer than the movie actually was. It, it's it's a very very hard thing you know to to wrap your mind around especially at this point in the game where we've been doing this for so fucking long that like you kind of almost want to give yourself that break you know and not jump you know and and not do (laughs) 
the really painful movies anymore. I mean, frankly, we could do nothing but Beelzebub movies on this podcast and have years of content. Uh, we would both yeah. we I would kill myself after probably a couple of episodes. But I mean, it is something I'd probably that we get could two do. episodes in before I, you know, did some sort sort of damage. Yeah, some kind of self harm. Mm hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing we are trying to avoid, if at all possible. That said, uh, I, my what I said uh, still uh, stands. If you send us a copy, yeah. if you send it, we will come. <laughs> Hopefully because it's live action and because those sexies are on the screen. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I mean, that's... I mean, I do appreciate you giving us some clarification on that, though. I uh, it, there is shockingly little information about erotic Avengers out there in the world. Mo, next message. Yeah, you get to read this. Yay! One. This is from friend of the show, Derek Bourgeois. Bourgeois. See, I can get that one. <clears throat> hey guys, Derek Bourgeois here. Just got to say, this show gets me through the day when I'm at work as I listen to you guys talk about microbudget cinema so passionately and fairly. See, Mo, we're fair. We are fair uh, arbiters of the micro-budget cinema. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. And, Doug, you nailed my last name on the Sudden Fury episode. Boy, I hope I did it on this one, too. Couldn't really think of any <laughs> questions, but is there any films that involve a creature besides Suburban Sasquatch that had you cracking up when it came on screen, micro-budget or not? Oh, that it opens things up a little bit. Some of the uh, the creatures in the creature features that we've enjoyed in the past, Mo, which maybe have a ridiculous looking creature within does uh jen gals <laughs> that was the one that came to mind first for me yeah. as well uh i'm glad that i'm glad that derek opened it up beyond just uh just low budget movies jen gal hey that jen gal <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part about that is how nobody including anybody in the film actually knows how to pronounce that correctly mm -hmm. because it it changes from person to person, which is amazing. Uh, and of course, the inclusion of the, uh, you know, indomitable uh, Conrad Brooks. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know. Friend of the show in that you met him once. <laughs> friend, friend of the show in that he uh, held me captive for 45 minutes while trying to sell me Ed Wood films. Rest in peace, Conrad yeah. Brooks. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of. Like I have another low budget example. So there, uh, there's a director named Mark Colgrove who a few years ago made a movie called Isle of the Damned. Uh, I don't think we ever ended up covering it on the show, but Isle of the Damned no. is sort of a uh, a very low budget tribute comedy uh, uh, tribute to like cannibal movies, like Rigoro Diodato's films, like Cannibal Holocaust. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. And the his company um, later made a movie directed by Kelly Trigo called Mutantis. In 2014. And Mutantis, I don't think, is as, as good of a movie as Isle of the Damned. But the creature in it is this ridiculous bird, like, turtle monstrosity <laughs> thing with, with, like, lobster claws. And I remember the first time I came on screen, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this thing start to finish just to see this goddamn creature again. Uh, so that's definitely up there for me. Mutantis is, uh, hey, worth, worth, worth checking out at the very least. I remember back uh, when I was either in my teens or late twenties and me and the, the group of guys who would watch movies together, uh, we decided to watch uh, reptilicus. Uh -huh. And when we realized that it was just like a hard rubber monster that somebody was basically just swinging around off, off camera, uh, we died just 
cackling with laughter. Um, I also think the uh, costume design for uh, Monsterd was <laughs> in- inventive and pretty funny. Oh, if, if we're going there, then the fun- fungicide. <laughs> that's what I and that's what I was going to say next was was fungicide. It's a difficult thing for ultra low budget filmmakers to be able to craft if the, like a monster suit that isn't going to look at least somewhat ridiculous. So unless you're doing it sort of right. as a throwback, that that's a hard thing to, right? I mean, we think about Rise of the Animals, right, which used a lot of CG and puppetry yeah. and stuff, but they were able to have a tone that was kind of intentionally ridiculous. But if you're going going for a serious tone, which very few uh creature movies that are ultra low budget tend to go for, then you need to have something that looks really good, and that's that's difficult. That's difficult on a low budget. It's difficult on a high budget. A lot of times, there's mm-hmm. more, been more than one um, uh, Hollywood movie which has a pretty terrible looking creature. Seems like they all had the same sort of designs over the past decade too. Mo, our next letter comes from Lars once again. Lars trying to dominate our episode <clears throat> here, uh, but then again, he he uh, has been such a reliable contributor. What does he have to say here, Mo? <laughs> this this episode is going to be called the best of Bestin, <laughs> <laughs> or to make an, an Eric Roberts reference, the, the best in of the best. Oh, I see. <laughs> he says, uh, "Hi, Doug and Mo. It's Lars again." <clears throat> I don't know if entries are finally closed, but I write anyway uh, because I just had a brilliant idea for a little improvement to the No Budget Nightmares Patreon group. Which, by the way, I've never been to. I don't even know what our Patreon page looks like. <laughs> like that's been like a Doug project since. since I, the I, I honestly, this is. I'm glad he's giving us advice because it really does need to be updated. I didn't know what I was doing when I was creating it either, and we do have people who are involved in it. But I wanted to make sure, you know, I want the tiers to be things that people can actually respect. Also, at the point that it was created. We put the, one of the tiers allowing people to choose a movie for us to watch, which is still up there. But that needs to be like put up on like a higher level. <laughs> so certain people who have made us watch their movies will not have that opportunity for cheap in the future. Right. Uh, it says, why not start a poll now, uh, uh, start a poll now and they, now and then where Patreons could vote for a movie out of three to five suggestions to be covered on mm. an upcoming episode because you got to pay for that up. No, I, but he's right. Uh, like, like give it like no, I uh, an array. Cause I mean, it's not like we put a lot of thought into it necessarily. It usually is. Right. Sometimes it's three quarters of the way through recording an episode. We're like, Oh, right. We need to pick one for next time. <laughs> Another idea came up on the Facebook group where someone uh, started a poll for best movie covered by the podcast in 2019. Uh, why not do an award show now and then? Oh, I like that idea. Uh, one more episode where we don't have to watch a movie. You know, if we could somehow uh, make this podcast without ever having to watch low budget movies, that would be ideal, I think. Right. Uh, the first annual Montgomery Porn Awards for Outstanding Achievements in the Field of Excellence. First off, Mo is short for Maurice. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> some people call as, you Maurice. Yeah, some people call me Maurice. <laughs> um, that was a very bad job of whistling I just did. <laughs> yes, you did. As for movie suggestions, uh, do I have to... Re- I'm going to assume he meant to say do. Uh, no, I have to repeat myself and mention these masterpieces again. Mo, how many languages There's, do you speak? Uh, <laughs> n- two very badly, <laughs> including English. What's the second one? Uh, Spanish, even worse. Oh, my God. I, can you really call yourself a, a bilingual person with the amount of Spanish that you can speak? 
Oh my God, no. Donde esta la biblioteca? Yeah, I would literally never call myself bilingual. Well, Lars here can speak two languages pretty fucking well. At least. Yeah. Well, I mean, we heard yeah. him speak English, right? He, and he was completely well, well, that's be- that's because that's because he didn't have an American education. Yeah. Well, I mean, he only seems to struggle with the names a little bit, but I guess we can forgive <laughs> him for that. <laughs> All right. So as for movie suggestions, uh, he's mentioning uh, Satan's Whip. A young priest and his grumpy one eyed mentor go on to investigate the death of a colleague who was. Uh, I hope this is the word he meant to use. <laughs> Yeah, defecated by a group of possible devil worshippers. I I hope he means decapitated. I anyway, hope he meant defecated. Uh, so I kind of do too. That's brilliant. Uh, Demon nightmare. A guy finds a strange rock in his garden uh, who makes all his wishes come true, but also perverts him, perverts them into something evil. Uh, the director later filmed a Manowar concert. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> rock in the garden. Could, that's perverted. Could we just watch a Manowar concert? That also would be pretty fucking great. Uh, Lockjaw, Rise of the Kulev Serpent. A guy finds a strange pen in his garden. What's with finding shit in your garden? Uh, who summons? Uh, who summons a cross between a crocodile and a snake to seek revenge on the murderers of the man's wife, including the most foreshadowing view of a toaster that one's already that one's right up to the top of my list now uh trees it's jaws but with trees uh sick bastard a long-haired metal dude stumbles around blindly pretending to kill people sounds like i mean admittedly it sounds exactly like the sort of thing we should be covered here it's true the alien factor i i mean Anybody who knows low-budget films knows Alien Factor. Uh, Don Dollar's first movie, and still my favorite one, Some Specimen of an Alien Zoo cr- uh, Crash Land onto Earth and Decimate the People of a Nearby Village. Now, we have I promised a friend of the show, Robert Long, that we are going to be covering another Don Dollar film in the very near future, and I think there's a strong likelihood that it may be the Alien Factor, so I think that... Yeah. I mean, that's a strong recommendation. We, of course, are huge fans of don's work and alien factor is one of the classic pieces right uh then he goes on to say winter beast i have no idea what this movie is about but there's a lot of stop motion in it uh as i read it's basically some art school students experiments strung together by a quote-unquote story and a creepy guy is dancing with with a puppet mask nice so winter beast is fucking amazing it is a really really cool i mean it will remind you watching the evil dead when you're watching it which is uh, i mean that's a pretty strong recommendation right there i would strongly recommend myself people check out the trailer for winter beast and when you see that trailer you'll be like you know what i think no much nightmare should cover that uh that one is definitely on my (laughs) short list of movies to cover uh hopefully in 2020 so yeah winter beast is a great movie and of course Captain Cosmotic, the predecessor of Operation Dance Sensation, about a superhero trying to stop an alien invasion, which is out to suck up the Earth's core to bring it to Castle Grayskull. Parentheses, don't ask. Silly costumes, tinfoil spaceship interiors, some gore, and the best thing, it clocks in at just over 80 minutes. Sold! That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Uh, I mean, if he, if he had said 60 minutes, I would have been like, yeah, that's definitely going to be the next episode. <laughs> Uh, that's all of I, that's all I can think of right now. Thank you. Uh, thanks for your show and keep on keeping on. <laughs> 
Thanks again, Lars. I mean, again, some really good suggestions there. It's We put out every once in a while in the Facebook group uh, people to recommend movies for us to cover. Then we immediately forget the things that people did recommend. Um, but right. it is a good idea to kind of reinforce some of your favorites to us. And I think there's a lot of great picks there. The fact is, there's no... There's so many films we could choose from. And the fact is, in 2020, they're being made every single day. Uh, and we like to right. mix up you know, kind of the the golden age, kind of late 80s, early 90s material with stuff from the last few years. But uh, and and I also feel like we're we have to be even more careful about what we choose now because our episodes are coming out a little more infrequently. But uh, the, I think there's a lot of great picks there. And I can see at least one or two on that list making an appearance on No Budget Nightmares in the very near future, including, yes, Lars, we'll get the fucking Captain Cosmotic <laughs> on the very next episode. Our next letter is from uh, listener Chris Stewart. <laughs> Squeaky door. <laughs> <laughs> Mo and Doug, I discovered your podcast when you gentlemen covered a movie I acted in called Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Action is go. Rock and roll. And roll Space, Space Patrol. <laughs> the director let me know we actually got a positive review. This was thrilling since we got so much hate for making a silly little film. I listened as you guys gave our very low-budget movie a fair appraisal. Now, to tell you guys a little behind-the-scenes information, I was contacted by the director, Jim Boltis, to be a stunt double for the main character since he dropped out of filming to play competitive Pinochle. <laughs> <laughs> that should, that, like, that's a movie in and of itself. Like, a film about a guy who's making a film but has to drop out because he went on to play competitive Pinochle. That's brilliant i was led to believe he was african-american i thought this would be hysterical he would throw a punch and my white fist would hit the temporal ninja alas <laughs> alex was a pasty ass white boy so my stunt doubling in the film was so close that my entire family didn't catch that i was in the movie at all which is a compliment in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> i appear mostly in the scenes after buck takes his medicine if you get a chance watch that scene and look for buck fiesta to change buck gets way more spazzy I had not seen any footage until the premiere, so I found out Alex was white in the theater lobby while he was ordering his popcorn. This is, <laughs> this is the great sense of humor that Jim has. He knew I would jump at the idea to be involved in something so ludicrous, but his joke, designed to only amuse himself, made me happy to be in any other project he produces. Since then, I have listened to every episode and have sought out several films you recommend. We don't recommend films on No Budget Nightmares. I look forward Never. to more episodes. Thanks for your kind words, Chris Stewart. Rock and Roll Space Patrol, uh, uh, Mo, is a classic No Budget Nightmares episode uh, for a very I, long time. I still say I still say that one of the highlights of this entire show was when we got Jim Boltis to sing the Rock and Roll Space Patrol <laughs> song with us. Uh, you can watch Rock and Roll Space Patrol for free on uh, the Troma YouTube uh, channel. I just uh, checked to make sure that it was still on there. And you can, uh, while you're doing that, you can uh, listen to what Chris had to say and uh, spot him in his appearance as a stunt double in Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Um, we have some people who are friends of the show, Mo, who really didn't care for Rock and Roll Space Patrol. <laughs> I don't get it. I, like, I'll, I'll never understand it. I thought that movie was so much fun. Well, I mean, as we've reiterated many times before, sometimes you get the impression while watching a lot of the movies we cover on this show that they were having more fun making it than we're having watching it. Uh, and, and, that can either be a positive or a negative, depending on the perspective that you have on uh, what you're watching a movie for. 
I think you know. So you mean so so you mean like it's the it's the the difference between rock and roll space patrol action is go uh, versus Pantheon Black. <laughs> or like uh, you could tell they were you could tell they were having fun. I don't know. But that didn't mean we had. Fun. I don't know that if they were having fun that. making Pantheon Black. <laughs> uh, it, it just looked like so much fucking work, and I bet the post production was just this massive pain in the ass. Uh, how about oh, malevolent? Sure. How about malevolent descent? <laughs> Actually, that's an even better example. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a blast film in that. It just kind of sucked. Well, kind of sucked a lot. Well, I'm going to read our next letter as well, if that's okay. Because it's only direct. It's only addressed to you. It, it is, and also it's from our good friend Gavin Wright, who's a real Brit, and only I can do a great British accent there <laughs> on the show. <laughs> if, you know, if I read, wow. I, I can only imagine. Like, the people have already turned this episode off anyway, but. They would oh, yeah. definitely turn it off if I tried to read this with a fucking awful British accent. I first came into contact with the world of no-budget cinema when I got access to the internet at home in 2000. It wasn't love at first sight, though. I'd always been a fan of the, a film, but the internet really opened up that world to me. I got really into forums back then, which I miss a great deal. They had such a sense of community that Facebook groups and subreddits seem to lack to this in this day and age, which is I agree 100% with. I agree 100%. Yeah. It was though it was through a forum that I was introduced to So Bad It's Good Cinema. I started devouring every bad film I could find. One day, someone posted about a film he said would never be topped as the worst film ever made. That film was the Polonia Brothers' Feeders. I was a big... Oh, oh <laughs> you poor sweet summer child. <laughs> hey, everyone has uh, their impression of what the bottom is, Mo. It's just that our bottom is a little bit lower than other people's bottoms. Oh, yeah. And tell me more about people's bottoms. <laughs> I was a big torrenter back there, something I think is actually a good thing, as it got me into so many obscure filmmakers I'd have never found any other way, but that's a whole other topic, and yet couldn't find this elusive Feeders anywhere. I ended up buying the double bill DVD with Feeders 2 from America. I'm in England. When I put it in, I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. How did a film this badly made actually get released? Some idiots in America made this thing, and here I was in England, owning a copy. I truly believed it to be the worst thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> It's interesting also to think, uh, Mo, that, you know, the Polonias have a pretty strong reputation within low-budget filmmaking, and for, with good reason. Uh, they've made a lot yeah. of really uh, uh, unique and interesting, and they were trailblazers in a lot of ways when it comes to low-budget cinema. I can't remember if we gave a very positive review to Feeders or not, now that I think back I don't on remember. it. A week or so later, and Feeders was still on my mind, I told everyone I knew about it and showed it to the few that could get through the first five minutes. I then sat down and put the audio commentary on, and that's when it hit me. Listening to John and Mark Polonia with their friend John McBride talk passionately about a film they made on a free weekend with no money and working a mundane job the rest of the week really hit me hard. Here were a bunch of guys doing what they loved, despite the fact that they didn't have the money, didn't have the resources. Hell, they even often admitted that they didn't have the talent for it, but they fucking <clears throat> did it anyway. That really hit me hard. I then started to delve deeper into this no-budget world, and it was the strangest thing that really cemented my love for it. A door in a film called Sledgehammer. It's been a oh, while nice. since I've seen it now, but I'm pretty sure I'm right in thinking that there is a scene in that film where a character smashes down a door. This hit me really hard as I realized that this was probably shot in David Pryor's own house. Here's a guy probably working a 9 to 5 most of the week, and in order to get a shot for his film, smashes down a door in his own house. I imagine how he had probably used any free money he had to make his film, so that door most likely stayed broken for months in this house. One broken door in a no-budget movie is a much greater sacrifice than a hundred destroyed buildings in a Hollywood film. And that's why I love no-budget cinema. That's a really good point. And I, I, I think that Gavin really hits on 
one of the things that we most appreciate about the passion that low-budget filmmakers and ultra-low-budget uh, filmmakers have for the making of their movies, which is that they have to make sacrifices that are real sacrifices. And whether it be, nope. you know, every weekend for three or four months, whether it is, you know, the extra money that they might have on hand or the, the locations that they have available to them, this is real sacrifice. And whether the final results are worth it or not, their intentions, maybe everyone, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe their intention is that they're going to sell this thing for a million bucks. But the thing, the fact is, I think that anyone who's still shooting on video, still using, you know, uh, amateur resources in order to make their movie, there isn't any illusion about this being their big break. It might lead to their big break, but this isn't it. So all it is is putting as much as their, as much of their inventiveness, as much of their talent, as much as that what they have available to them on the screen. And that's what keeps me coming back to watching a lot of these movies. The, the, the sad thing and the kind of distressing thing about the kind of golden age of low-budget film uh, and filmmakers of the late 80s, early 90s, um, is that a lot of them never really made it to that next level. And it's it's unfortunate mm-hmm. and it's kind of unfair that, you know, it, it's one of the things why when we see things like um, Violent New Breed and then seeing the progression of, of Todd Sheet's latest movies, that, that's really kind of a heartening thing, right? Because they, they right. for a regular cinema goer they might watch these movies and they're like oh well this is just a regular film i don't get much out of this the very fact that you're watching a film and it feels like a film with professional actors sometimes (laughs) (laughs) sometimes sometimes i mean that that they feel like real you know uh competent movies that that is a testament to the commitment that a lot of these filmmakers had but not everyone who was making a lot of films at that time ever had the chance to jump to that other level and that's one of the things that we want to celebrate here look you're a filmmaker if you make a film. So the people that we cover on the show, whether we like the movies or not, whether we describe the movies themselves as actual movies or not, if you made one of these movies that are covered on the show, you're a filmmaker. And while that doesn't grant you immediate respect, uh, it does put you in a unique class and someone who was willing to put their art out there and allowing it to be criticized. And that's why we... I think we both, Mo and myself, do feel a little bad sometimes when we tear into a movie. It's not something that we look forward to unless it's something that is intentionally trying to push our buttons in a really unpleasant way. Jesus Christ, serial rapist. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. We said, we've said it again and again on the show. We hope for the best. We are rooting for the movies that we cover on this show. And when they disappoint us, it's it's because it makes us feel bad, not it doesn't make me feel angry. What am I angry about? But uh, as right. I also always say, uh, if I put my 90 minutes into the movie, then that I've purchased the ability to be critical of it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you all right, Mo? I, got, I was monologuing yeah. there for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you went on. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so do you like low-budget movies, Mo? <laughs> Love them. <laughs> Well, I've got one for you. It's called Hip Hop Locos. It's about these two Ew. locos who love hip hop. Is it though? <laughs> Mo. Uh, so we do have one more audio clip. Uh, it's a lengthy one, uh, and I might have to cut it down a little bit. Uh, but this is from a longtime listener, friend of the show, Arkham Knight Rider. Let's have a little listen. Okay, uh, Doug and Mo. This is uh, Arkham Knight Rider of the short. Is the so far semi-successful troll not what you could find on find on spotify 
and a whole bunch of other things. Like, it is a really good show, and I wouldn't mind having you uh, have you guys on it. Just send me a link at Discord, if not. Basically, the show is um, just uh, find just basically um, looking at terrible fan fictions and writers of fan fiction to decide whether or not they're trolls or not. But reading them first, obviously. But anyways, I think the main point of my thing today is I finally want to, because I've been very vocal about this film for a long, long time, and that is my thoughts on the film Where the Dead Go to Die. I know you guys hate it, I know plenty of people hate it, and that's perfectly fine with me. Personally, I oh find it God. one of the more interesting and creative, film, creative films of the 2010s. It Sure, the animation isn't polished, sure, the acting isn't very good, but I do think... That Jimmy Scrawlcross, what he was able to do with practically nothing, and thank you, um, <laughs> is kind of extraordinary. And heck, I would actually consider it more interesting than some of the, even some of the more interesting low-budget movies. I think it is one of the most unique. It's an it's the kind of animated film we need more of now. A lot of people are probably saying that oh, it supports this, this, and this, and it doesn't. Um, that actually, for those who don't know. There was a lot of rumors or spread about the film. One of the rumors was it was meant to be a comedy originally. It was meant to be a comedy. It? It's not. It, only one of the segments was originally meant to be a comedy, but he changed that quickly. Um, if you didn't already know that, just telling you right now for people who don't, this rumor was started by. It was a rumor. It was a misinformation started by the man Hagen, but it grew out of control and it grew into the animation community, which. Admittingly, uh, what 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 did sour a lot of uh, people, my tastes, uh, when it came to hearing negative reviews of the movie. And well, I don't completely agree with your review of the film. Um, I think it's actually great. You don't. That's perfectly fine. I think at least you came from an area where you knew these kind of movies. You weren't these. The lots of the people who did review this film were like animation people. Well, they were animation people that weren't familiar with stuff like. St- shot on video like stuff like animated. where the dead go to die they were more familiar the the the, the bloodiest they got was ghost in the show which uh, i don't like but that's just my personal opinion um which again ghost i'm gonna say right now ghost in the okay show. i'm just gonna stop it there simply because uh there's a lot to digest there already and this uh, goes on for another four minutes which i can't put a six minute audio clip on the show um no it, it's a I, i'm glad that we have someone putting up a defense for where the dead goes to die. I, and I'm glad that also that he mentioned that we didn't come at it from a perspective of being down on the animation quality or the acting quality, because the fact is uh, the, the, the fact that we were watching something that was animated at all, I thought was very impressive. And I think that right. there is some really impressive animation on display, considering that it was done for such a low budget. I think our biggest complaint about that movie, what it was, it was very try hard. Right. I mean, it was very much let's, yeah. let, you know, and, and I also think that if the idea of retrofitting something with comedic intent to then being very dramatic is a great way to fuck up your movie's tone in, in a um, and make it very confusing, which is something that I felt about the tone of that movie generally. I think it's a very stupid movie. And I think that is probably my biggest criticism of it. I, it's not that I think Jimmy Screamer class is is uh, stupid or that he's not talented, but I think that. It felt very much, and I think we even mentioned this on the episode, it felt kind of like Gorno, right? People who really were yeah. trying hard to either be offensive or trying to be uh, dark and distressing and whatever you might uh, describe that as, and failing. Because the fact is, if you, we want to find dark and distressing 
content, it's not hard to do so in 2020. And I mean, it's 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 really not. I mean, it, you can impress your buddies. You can impress people uh, who uh, maybe haven't seen a lot of that sort of content before. But believe me, people having sex with corpses, people ripping out their fucking fetus and throwing it. I mean, this shit, it's, it's just not going to do it for me. Look, I already mentioned Combat Shock. That's an effective dark depressing movie because you can feel right. it feels like the emotions within it are coming from a real place i think where the dead goes to die is just a big failure of a movie and again uh, it's uh, i know it's unfair arkham uh, uh, doesn't have the ability now to directly respond to us but you can definitely do it through the facebook page i also have to say that it's been at this point a while since i've seen that movie and afterwards i just threw the disc out because i'm never gonna fucking watch it again um right but uh i mean this what i said regarding Gavin's comment before, still applies here. Jimmy Screamer Claus, whatever our criticism of him or his work, he put it out there in the world. He put a ton, obviously, a ton of time and effort into it. And there is respect that you have to give for that. And in, he got it you know, fairly well marketed and available. I, I remember getting the uh, screener disc like years ago for it. I just think that he made a failure of a movie. And uh, join the club. Most movies are fucking failures. Mo. Yes. We have one more letter here. Hot dog. <laughs> I actually received this this morning, the day that we're uh, we're getting this uh, uh, episode together. And this was not meant to be a con- contribution to the episode proper. Um, uh, this, uh, So I might kind of summarize it as opposed to actually reading it verbatim. This is another filmmaker, another film fan, another film fanatic, Mo, from the wonderful country of Germany. They love us in Germany. We're, what can I say? Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber alles. Absolutely. <laughs> and all of that stuff. Boy, I love Germany. Oh, that's... Uh, what are the things about Germany I love the most? I really love Don't... post-1945 <laughs> <laughs> The way you guys dealt with fascism mm, really makes mm. me happy. Anyway. Um... <laughs> and also your baked goods. Mm-mm good. <laughs> mm. This is from a filmmaker named Lars Kokamuller, and I know I'm screwing that up, Lars, and I'm so sorry. And I have to say, it is very disturbing to me that your name is Lars. <laughs> it does make me think that everyone from your entire country is named Lars, which isn't the worst thing. We in have the world. The, uh, the largest German Lars fan base in the world. It's at least it's something that we can. We'll put it up on our website. Yeah. <laughs> Lars loves us. Uh, this is actually, he was reaching out, um, to talk about, uh, his own experience making films. He says he's been making feature films for seven years now, starting right after finishing drama school and starring in two seasons of an Australian teen sitcom called In Your Dreams. In Germany, we don't have much of an indie film scene, which is largely due to the federal funding system that just doesn't leave any room for independent film funding, because of which anything made here that isn't approved of by the state is no budget. I've actually tried to establish a platform for those kind of movies over here, organizing the Obsessive Underground Film Festival in Hamburg for a couple of years. By now, I've pretty much left the no-budget scene behind, mainly because there still isn't really any scene to speak of, and I've just finished shooting on my first bigger project with something like an actual budget moving on to the next one. So this is a filmmaker. I have not yet checked out his work. Again, this was just this morning that Lars reached out to me, but he recommended some of his films to me, and I'm going to put these links in the show notes, and we'll put them over on the Facebook group as well. He made a film called Leon Must Die, a film called, and again, you must... (laughs) I did take two semesters of German, but... uh, but my pronunciation might be a little off here. Cordelius Kinder, uh, which is a horror comedy. Uh, Wagner den Streinhimmel hast. 
which is a horror rom-com, and uh, How to Be a Homewrecker, which is a musical comedy, which actually does sound very very interesting. That that one is on YouTube, and it's a punk indie musical, and it's an English language film. All the actors are German, but they're speaking English. I guess it's going to be like that uh, Sukiyaki Western Django movie. Remember that one, uh, Mo? I, I fucking love Sukiyaki Western Django. <laughs> that, uh, for those who haven't seen that movie, it, it is a, uh, directed by, of course, Takeshi Miike. And he has made a Western with all Japanese actors speaking <clears throat> phonetic English. And Quentin Tarantino shows up at one point. But it's, uh, it makes for a very unique viewing experience, you might say. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, says Mo Porn, on the No Bunch Nightmares podcast. Yeah, put put my quote on the fucking (laughs) DVD. A lot of fun! Uh, but yeah, no, Lars, thanks so much for reaching out. Thanks. Uh, he's been listening to the show recently, which is very nice of him. I'm uh, I'm glad that the uh, No Budget Nightmares Love is being spread around the country of Germany. If you want us to come there to do a live show, just fly us out there. Put us up in a five-star hotel. Mo and I will do literally anything you ask us to do. Um, <laughs> I mean, and I mean anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> you want us to suck and fuck each other, we will do it. Uh just, I mean, look, Mo, I'm five stars. All right. And let us do room service, of course. Um, I mean, obviously. So, uh, but thank you, Lars, for reaching out. Mo, Lars was the... We're going to need we're gonna need more towels up in the room. <laughs> and we're going to need a bigger bathtub. Um, <laughs> Mo, that was our last c- contributor to this episode of No Budget Nightmares, which I was concerned was going to be... Uh, too short to uh, release as a proper episode, but in fact, it has somehow gone way longer than expected. <laughs> as per usual, I might say. Well, you know, here's the thing. You get a bunch of people asking questions, and then you take the muzzle off of Doug, and he just talks. Look, I can monologue all goddamn day. There's no doubt about that. I, hey, it's true. I love a man who loves to talk, and I love to be the man who loves to talk. And, <laughs> and to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I do think that, and not to get on my high horse here, <laughs> that that we do, sometimes we talk the talk but don't walk the walk in regards to being celebratory about the passion of no budget filmmakers. In that, I do th- think that sometimes, rightly or wrongly, we take a certain glee in tearing down some of the movies that we cover on No Budget Nightmares. And I don't always feel sure. good about that. And I think thinking back on some of the movies, it makes me feel a little bit ashamed about the, especially some of the earlier films, maybe about the tone that we took towards them. But uh, I do want to, part of that is, you know, because we're trying to make an entertaining show, but also I just, I really want to reiterate. And I think we have done so here that I have a lot of respect again for the people who put their time and effort and abilities into making micro budget cinema and even though it's a little easier to do that now than it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it still is a commitment and it is still something where you are putting a part of yourself out there. And it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of guts to do that. I mean, I want to mix it up a little bit more on this show. You know, I mean, one of the things that this show that I feel a little awkward about is that I think probably what 98 percent of the movies that we've covered on this show are have been directed by white men, you know? You know, it'd be nice if we got some other person. I mean, I'm glad that we were able to uh, look at like a Hollywood film, but I mean, let's let, let's branch out, right? Let's look at queer films. Let's look at uh, uh, films from around the world. Let's look at. I just think think that we have an opportunity here to celebrate as much as causing each other pain. 
<laughs> and uh, while I think people enjoy the pain a little bit more than the pleasure, so to speak, um, as uh, Clyde Barker taught us in Hellraiser, why not mix the both of them up, right? Let's 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 take them to sure. the extremes of pain and pleasure, um, and hopefully Pinhead will appear. And, uh, and, 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 oh, the sights he has to show us. He'll tear our souls apart. Just like watching yeah. a Bill's above movie does. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, do you have anything to say? Uh, I, I, I feel like I can just improvise monologues all day, but I want to hear your thoughts. Do you agree or disagree with what I just said? I didn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Ah, Mo fell <laughs> again on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Uh, yeah, when do I get to quit the show? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, we don't even have a blood oath on this show. On my other ones, people have to keep going. Yeah. I, no, I, I've said this in the past and it makes me laugh. Like, I feel like the reason why the show keeps going is because we're so we're both so like pig headed about it that like <laughs> we don't we don't want to let it die. Um I like how but sometimes that's fine, when though. there's like a two month break and it's like are we done with this? No, I guess we'll just do another no, one. No, no, no. Let's just, let's just do another one. You know? Moe's moved, but in, that's also, moved into another but house that, or another state. Yeah, you know, or one of us is deathly ill or having some kind of, you know, depressive episode or, you know, this, that, or the other, you know. Sometimes both at the same into time. our lives, but. Huh? Sometimes both at the same time. Sometimes both at the same time, exactly. Uh, no, I mean, I like, look, I. I will admit that the the passion that I have for no budget films isn't quite what it was, you know, say ten years ago. But that doesn't mean that doesn't change how I feel about it. I I still, you know, I still love watching the movies for the show. I still love, you know, interacting with the uh, with the community. I I wish that I could find a better way to carve out. Because you know how it is. You start doing a podcast on something and then like that thing that you wanted to do all the time before, you don't want to do it all now because it's like, I need to save that for the show. <laughs> you know, so like I never watch low, but I never watch these micro budget films anymore because I'm always like, well, you know, let's save it for if we do it on the show. Yeah, you know, I know that's a mentality I probably should get myself out of, but <laughs> it's it's where it is. I yeah. I mean obviously I'm in a similar state to you. It also is a case that yeah. that I don't have the time to write about movies like I used to and right. You know, when I was still on Daily Grindhouse interviewing one filmmaker a week, writing about one movie a week and doing no budget nightmares. Hey, that was before I had a wife and and a family and you know, uh, when I say family, of course I mean three cats and a dog. Um <laughs> and you know, pe- people who relied on me a little bit more and relied on my time a little bit more. Um but that said, I do want to spend more time Watching and celebrating films that don't have a voice. And I mean, I guess you could say that everyone has a bit of a voice with social media. But if if anything, because there are so many voices all talking at once, it's so much easier to get drowned out. I think when you find a special movie, you should go and tell someone about it. And you should tell the world about it and use all the uh, options that you have available to promote that in some way. And that's something that I've always felt like this show had the potential to do but also just us in general have the potential to do when i see something i love especially when it's something that i love that i feel like not enough people has have seen or maybe haven't had the opportunity to see i just want them to see it and and you know sometimes other people don't react as strongly or as positively as my feelings about it uh but you can't take that personally right i mean it's just about sometimes you can see a movie as a cause and uh sometimes that cause uh spreads and and hits people the right way and sometimes it doesn't and i've seen that before you know taking a movie and really 
being passionate about it. And then other people are like, well, what's the big deal? And then two, two years later, no one talks about it or cares about it anymore. That's just the reality of, of the speed of media in the year 2020. Yep. <laughs> I'll just keep going, Mo. I got nothing to do but monologue. Well, I mean, I, I would like to leave at some point. <laughs> Too bad, brother. <laughs> Mo, have you seen any good movies lately? Um, Yeah, actually. Uh, what the fuck did I watch the other day? Oh, I finally watched um, Us. Oh, great. Yeah, and I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm, I don't know why that's like my go-to phrase. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> hey, I like but, fun. I mean, I... I yeah, I like fun too, but but you know, like I, I like like I've been saying for the last several episodes of this show over the last you know fifteen years that <laughs> that uh, that I I don't watch a lot of movies anymore. You know, like like in general, I don't tend to watch a lot of movies. But I want, but me and uh, me and the lady watched us the other day. Um, we're actually going to watch Ma tonight, which I'm I'm excited about because uh, that looks. Like it's a, a hoot. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I watched us. I really, Mo, I Mo, really Mo is on it. a string of two letter horror films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch it after that. And then, you know. <laughs> but, and then I'm going to watch them, but I'm going to watch it in two parts. So. What else did I watch? I watched Brightburn. Okay. Um, the uh, which, the evil superhero, um, the evil Superman, basically, yeah. 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 It, it's it's it was such a good idea that I don't think was done in the best way. But man, like, like I like it's one of those movies. I'm trying to think of, uh, almost like with the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, the the bad one with Jackie Earl. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, like I remember watching it and thinking to myself, there's like there's potential here, you know, because Jackie Earl Haley is a really good actor and him playing Freddy wasn't necessarily a terrible. No, not at all. In fact, when he was cast, I was like, you know what? This could work. This could work. Exactly. It's just everything else about the film that failed. Well, that's sort of how I felt about Brightburn, you know, in that like it's a great concept, you know. But the execution wasn't done particularly well Uh, but i would love to see them do a fucking sequel where the kid kind of grows up a little bit more and understands his powers a little bit more and you know and like they need like it's like an entire fucking planet just worrying about what the fuck to do with this raging hormone fucking you know pubescent kid who's freaking the fuck out and like destroying shit like it's it's a great idea sadly not the best movie. I, I think that and, I think in a world where our superhero movies are already very dark and depressing, it doesn't true. feel as much of a counterpoint to make like an evil superhero uh, or like an evil Superman movie compared to you know that concept's been done in comic books many 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 times before, many times yeah, uh, and done well in a lot of cases. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. you know where where Superman has you know eighty ninety years of being a very clean cut, uh, maybe some people think too clean cut of a character. That 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 makes more of a counterpoint, but it's just like you know when you have Superman already breaking people's necks and stuff that it doesn't doesn't feel like it as much of a uh, statement, I guess. Yeah, right, exactly. Mo, I've been watching a strange mix of films. Uh, I've been dipping into the filmography of uh, Louis Buñuel. Uh, the uh, oh, okay, yeah. So I watched the Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie um, recently uh, again, a movie I really love, and. Um, 
The Exterminating Angel. I watched the both of them within the last couple of days because it's on the Criterion channel and I really like his work and I love that kind of surreal tone. And I mix that up by watching Missing in Action between them, the Chuck Norris <laughs> movie where he goes back and basically wins the Vietnamese War. I don't think anyone calls it the Vietnamese War. I think we'll call it the Vietnam War now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I did you watch all of the Missing in Action movies? I only watched the first, the first one. one. Now, I I hadn't realized, even though I think I may have realized in the past that they filmed Missing in Action 1 and 2 back-to-back. I didn't realize they filmed them back-to-back and then released the second one as the first one and the first one as the second one because they realized that the second one was the better movie. Yeah. Uh, which is really funny because in my personal opinion, even though it's terrible, I still think that Braddock, Braddock Missing in Action 3 is the best of, of the series. Well, you can have that opinion. I don't have an opinion on that subject. And to be honest, I maybe didn't have a lot of motivation to continue with that series. I just felt like it's yeah. like, I remember watching these Chuck Norris movies when I was a kid. Now I know Chuck Norris is a piece of human garbage. But maybe his human movies, garbage, not yeah. so much. And, you know, most of those have, they're they're pretty shitty as well. I also watched, I, mm-hmm. well, it's, it's funny because I don't know if you remember uh, back in 2012 is what I called Chuck year 2012. <laughs> so I so I, I was unemployed for most of that year, um, but had recently won some money in a fucking scratch off ticket. I know it's the weirdest fucking thing, but I, I had I had money to kind of like live on. And um, so I decided for some stupid reason I was going to buy and watch every Chuck Norris film ever made. And so I did throughout the course of 2012. I bought every fucking Chuck Norris movie. So my <laughs> Chuck Norris collection is on point. It's just that like 87% of those movies, I, I hell, fuck it, 90% of those movies are pure shit. What is the great like Chuck Norris movie? The best Chuck Norris mm-hmm. movie, in my opinion, and I think most people would agree with me, is Invasion USA. And even that, it's it's almost good despite itself because it is aged particularly ridiculously right oh yeah terribly terribly you know uh it also helps that i got to see invasion usa on the big screen as like a midnight movie sort right. of thing and mm-hmm. the audience was like really into it so it was so much fun to watch um but yeah so that uh f- uh what is it called is it called forced vengeance i think is the name of the movie <laughs> is is another good one of his uh the octagon is okay um I don't know. He he has uh I don't know there's so many more bad ones than there are good ones. <laughs> and they also a lot of them have kind of generic titles, so it's hard to Yeah. <laughs> I do have to admit that I watched Missing in Action waiting for Lee Marvin to show up and then I realized afterwards that I thought it was the Delta Force, which is a different Chuck Norris movie. And the Delta Force movies are pure shit. <laughs> They're so fucking bad. <laughs> You know, like I can't even fucking watch them. And like Delta Force 2 is so much worse. I I don't understand how they ever became like a thing. They're so fucking bad. (laughs) Well, Mo, uh, I think we could talk about Chuck Norris all day. And that would actually probably be a much more successful podcast than the No Budget Nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not not about to start Chuck Norris is the fucking man. Well, if let's let's put it, let's put it this way: if I want if I wanted to do a Chuck Norris themed podcast, it would la- if I did it weekly, it would last about half a year. <laughs> so, uh, Mo, where can people find out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast? 
Well, I mean, if they want to, and why wouldn't they? Uh, they can pop on over to that old Facebook thing and do a quick little searchy search in there for No Budget Nightmares, or they can just go facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. You can follow us on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word, or I think, I can't remember if you just mentioned it, Mo, I kind of tuned out for a second. You can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Why don't you leave us a review over on iTunes? We'd appreciate it very much. You can always check out our Patreon from there as well. Well, if you want to recommend a movie for us to watch, that's the most direct way to do so. Uh, I also have another podcast called Cinema Smorgasbord, and Cinema Smorgasbord isn't just a podcast. It's an umbrella of podcasts, meaning we have a number of podcasts devoted to individual actors and concepts over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Recently, we just released the very first episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. Yes, the beloved, long-lasting Eric Roberts-themed podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, is back. It's Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux, and we watched an episode of Entourage featuring Eric Roberts, a, a very well-regarded I'm one. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I had, I've never seen, up to that point, an episode of Entourage, but I did have two people on the show who had watched every episode of Entourage, so I think it's a pretty interesting listen. But, of course, we also have podcasts devoted to Dick Miller, the great Dick Miller, Steve Buscemi, Vic Diaz, and Jackie Chan. It comes out every week on Mondays. Go over to cinemasmorgasbord.com or on Twitter at cinemasmorg. That's S-M-O-R-G. You can also follow Mo on Twitter at DrunkOnVHS. He's on there all the time, just ready for Literally your feedback. Never. And you can find me on Twitter. Literally never. And you can find me on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And it's pronounced Doug Tilly. Thank you very much. Um Mo, I think that's all we have to say. This ended up being a, a pretty uh, straightforward episode, all things considered. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Mo is done with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he checked out about 30 My, minutes ago. Yeah, I really, I, I hate to say it. I really kind of did. Oh, no. I, uh... <laughs> My no no it's just my brain is like in nine million places right now and so focusing is a little tough. Let's let Mo get some much needed rest for his brain. We'll be back very soon. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No budget nightmares. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo Porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares.